Hello and welcome to the Swift Coders Podcast, where each week we interview an amazing Swift developer about their experience with Apple's new open source programming language. We hear their stories, learn their tips and tricks, and try to leave you feeling inspired and empowered on your Swift Coder journey. I'm your host, Garrick, and today's guest is Paula Mata. Paula is an iOS developer at BuzzFeed in New York and is the co-founder of the NYC Tech Latinas Meetup Group. Welcome to the show, Paula. Hi, Garrick. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you for coming. How's it going? It's going well. Right on, right on. What are you up to right now? relaxing at home. Um, it's a really beautiful breezy day in New York and it's nice to get a, a break from the heat that we've been having lately. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think I recently interviewed somebody that was in New York. I'm trying to remember who it was. Uh, oh, Joe Mazzalotti. And he said it was hot too. So it's still been hot there, I guess. It's not cooling off yet. I think the heat finally broke. Okay. So that means it's going to start getting a little colder. Yeah, I'm excited. I love the fall. Oh, all right. Have you lived in New York for a long time? Yeah, I, I grew up here. Um, I was actually, I was born in Ecuador, but I've been living in New York City since I was four. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. So yeah, I'm pretty much born and raised in California, but uh, I was like in Southern California since I was like four. And I've just pretty much been here for forever since then. Yeah. But I kind of want to get out and like go somewhere. And, you know, blessed yeah. because our, our job allows that. So Exactly. Um, I feel that lately as well, um, going abroad maybe for a year just to experience something different. I know, I know. Or you could come to L.A. There's a BuzzFeed in L.A. I think it's like a BuzzFeed video or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are several offices in California, actually. I know there are a couple in L.A. and one in San Francisco, perhaps. Oh, that's right. Okay, so yeah, there's a BuzzFeed down the street from my house, but then there's also one like more in West Hollywood. So, mm -hmm. but I think the one by my house is called BuzzFeed Motion Pictures. Yes, um, there there are a lot of there's a lot of video production going on out there. Um, we do have some in New York as well, but um, I think the majority are out there. Cool, cool. So, what's it like uh, being a iOS developer in New York? I think you might be the fourth iOS developer that lives in New York that I've interviewed. I interviewed Just Dave, Ash Furrow, Joe Mazzilotti, I think I'm pronouncing that right, and now you. So I like asking them, what's it like? I mean, it, to me, it seems like kind of cool. I always had this dream of living in New York because um, I was like in love with James Dean and he like lived in New York for a little while before he came to LA. So I love asking that. Like, what, What's it like? I think it's great. There, um, there's a good community out here. I'm part of several meetups, and um, I regularly, um, you know, hang out with with people in the community, and it's supportive. And um, actually, a, a woman in iOS meetup just started last week, and I'm excited about being part of that. Oh, cool! <laughs> so it just started. Are you helping organize, or are you just attending right now? I'm just attending for now. Um, I have plans to, in the future, give a talk. Oh, all right. Do you know what about yet? Um, well, I've been working at BuzzFeed to um, open source a framework that I worked on. Um, nice. And I would love to give a talk about that once it's out. Cool. That sounds like fun. Okay, so let's learn a little bit about your work at BuzzFeed. Um, I don't know that much about BuzzFeed, but when I think about them, I, I wouldn't for some reason think iOS developer, or like that they would need iOS developers. But I'm assuming they have an iOS app. 
Um, so like, what do you, how many iOS developers are, are working there? What do you, what's your, you know, what are you up to over there at BuzzFeed? I believe there are 13 of us actually. Um, so last, yeah, <laughs> last year we, we launched, um, I think three or four new apps. Um, so there was cute or not, there was the BuzzFeed news. Um, and then there was a video app and then there was also, yeah, this is the fourth one. It was a social quiz app called quiz chat. And, um, so yeah, there was a lot of, um, team building occurred. There was a lot of hiring and, um, this was complementing the, the Buzzfeed app, which basically has a, a whole lot of content, <laughs> like everything you would see on the web and what we work on. Uh, so last, I was hired to uh, join the news app team. And at the time it was just, um, very, very early stages. And so I, um, I joined that team um, and I was working on news until April where essentially everyone was moved to the BuzzFeed app. Okay, so the news app, there's like a BuzzFeed news app. You said that's what you were working on and then everyone got moved to a different BuzzFeed app? So uh, I'm not, I don't want to call it the core app. That's what we used to call it, but it's just it's basically BuzzFeed the app. Almost like the website, but just yes. in an app. And then right. there was a specific one just for news. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I wonder, and I'm sure you probably can't tell me, but I just, I wonder if you guys are going to do an Apple TV app because um, video and, you know, I, I guess BuzzFeed's doing video. My, my fiance loves like some of the BuzzFeed videos that she, that she sees. And uh, I don't, do you guys already have an Apple TV app? Maybe I'm. We don't currently. I mean, it's okay. definitely something to consider. Um, we've played around with it a little bit. I think. I think it's a great idea, yeah. and um, especially considering how, how much video um, is becoming um, important to the company, and right. and also to showcase some of the really great like great content that we have on video, and yeah. you know get a wider audience than you would let's say on YouTube. Yeah, Lucy showed me some of the BuzzFeed videos. They're pretty funny, and she really likes them. Uh, yeah. I'm surprised, like some companies they don't already have apple tv apps maybe it's not that big of a platform yet like for instance facebook facebook video is like pretty cool on their app like the facebook app but they don't have a, a, a you know facebook video app i'm sure you guys are looking into it have you done any um ios uh, i'm sorry apple tv like uh, tvos programming i haven't done it yet i haven't done it i mean we have these uh, regular hack weeks um i think then definitely every year um but um, it's our opportunity to play around with things that I know several of my coworkers have definitely played around with uh, TVOS. Yeah, I have uh, one of my meetup members uh, has played around with TVOS and made um, like a yoga app or something like that. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get him to teach us. Uh, that's the one of the joys of or, you know, benefits of having a meetup is you can just like say, hey, come teach us something, you know. Uh, um, yeah. So, OK. Awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. I want to learn about you specifically. You're at BuzzFeed now, but how did you get there? You said you were born in Ecuador. You grew mm -hmm. up in New York. So yeah, just tell me the story of, of Paula and like how you ended up at New York at, you know, at BuzzFeed as an iOS developer. Take us to the beginning. The beginning. <laughs> okay. Um, well, let's see. Um, I, I went to school out here in New York, obviously. I went to a very uh, technical high school it's actually called Brooklyn Technical High School and mm. um, we we had to choose a major and it basically meant taking several hours of a certain you know topic um, and at that 
point I chose computer science. So I learned programming relatively young. I'm, um, I had some experience with it as a kid. I know I was introduced to it pretty young, but it wasn't at this level where I was like learning a language. Um, so I learned, um, I remember basic, um, visual basic, um, Pascal, and then senior year we learned C++. Do you remember why you chose computer science in high school? Yes, I do. It was my mom. Uh, she was really pushing it on me. Uh, I was actually thinking about going into media, media studies, and uh, my mom thought, you know, computers are the future. You should go in that direction. And um, I wasn't against it. It's just I, I guess I was not as drawn to it as media, but um, I think it was a great experience. I think it um, it it was um, it was fun. I enjoyed it. And I was good at it. So. Um, Why do you think your mom, yeah. sorry, go ahead. Oh, I said ultimately I ended up actually when I went to college choosing a completely different path. Okay. So before we get there, why do you think your mom knew that, you know, why do you think your mom pushed you towards that or how did she know or why do you think she, she knew that this kind of computer stuff was the future? I don't know. She's not the most techni technical person. <laughs> She's not very tech savvy. Um, I just think it's maybe something she heard or maybe read about and um, really thought it was a, a good thing for me to learn. I'd be curious to, to know. Uh, I wonder if like the, that answer is, is uh, knowable because like my, my mom definitely didn't know that. And she, you know, she probably doesn't even realize it still, even though she uses an iPhone. My parents definitely didn't know it. Um, and I think that's just so awesome, you know, to be fortunate to like have somebody so close to you in your in your life, like have the foresight and to encourage you to, to do something like that. And I think a lot of people maybe don't have that. And uh, I think what you're doing with your meetup, like what I'm doing, what a lot of other people are, are doing out there, it's like helping to kind of fill that void. Mm -hmm. All right. So you go to college. So you graduate your, uh, you know, high school, right. but with your, I guess it was like a major, but it was high school. It's interesting. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a technical college uh, with computer science, but you go to college and you do something else. Yes. What did you choose and why? So um, I spent the first couple of years trying to figure out what in the world I wanted to do with my life. <laughs> and um, I ended up ultimately becoming an English major because I was really drawn to language and linguistics and um, I would have wanted to actually major in linguistics, but at the time um, I went to Hunter College here in New York City, so it's part of the city university system. They didn't offer a linguistics program, so um, I mean, I talked to some of the, the professors and they told me to just study literature and then maybe go to grad school and from there study linguistics. Um, so I, I was essentially studying literature and, you know, writing research papers and um, I realized I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love to read. I didn't like to write or, you know, write papers about it. Um, but um, I didn't realize that until later, you know, toward the end, probably the last year. And by then I just wanted to graduate and get a degree and start working. Um, so what, what happened between high school and college that made you not want to continue computer science? Um, well, there are a couple of things. First, it was intimidating, I think, um, the idea of taking a college-level course. Um, but also, uh, it was it was a, a sort of an act of rebellion of me wanting to do my own thing and uh, be creative. I thought I wanted to write. That was mm -hmm. ultimately what I wanted to do. And um, it, it, I didn't want to have to choose between 
um, what I felt was being creative and being technical. Right. Um, but um, obviously, I've changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I know what you mean. Um, my guess is you feel like you're still being technical, but also creative at the same time with the work that you're doing now. Absolutely, yeah. I think things yeah, have changed as well. I mean, I went to high school in, in the 90s where I think we were most of my students, um, co, uh, what do you call them? Classmates. Yeah, classmates. Uh, classmates were, um, we're still on dial-up. I mean, it was, this was the late 90s. I'm, I'm you know, dating myself now, but, um, <laughs> so it wasn't, it, the internet wasn't what it is now. Um, it was, it wasn't so prevalent in our lives as it is now. Um, and right. mobile certainly wasn't around. So I think it's, it's, it's definitely something that's changed and it's probably why I was drawn to it again later in life. Right. I also think it's interesting that you were originally wanting to go into media and like you're, you know, you're kind of married both of those. You're doing your computer science, but for a media company, it's really cool. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a perfect place to be for me. Okay, so while you're in college and you're figuring, figuring out what you want to do, mm-hmm. then you think about doing English and you start doing English, but you're not really liking it. Um, are you still involved at all with computers or computer science? Or programming. So um, I, you know, I held several jobs through college, and um, one of them, um, the one I was at the longest, was actually working as part of um, a research center. Um, it was a special collection within the library, um, focusing on Puerto Rican history and just Puerto Rican studies. And um, while I was there, I was, I, I always had a sort of a technical role in some way. So I was um, updating their website or. Um, I was doing some research, doing some writing, and um, just, I've always just been really comfortable with computers. I'm like, I'm very curious, so um, I'm not, I'm not afraid of them. So um, I was often given technical tasks, but I was not doing any programming. No. Okay, but you were still kind of staying involved with computers. Yeah. And then, uh, okay, so you decide that English literature um, and that whole thing you were doing in mm-hmm. college wasn't for you. What happened? What did you do? Um, so, yeah, I, I graduate from college still not knowing what I'm supposed to do with this English major. Um, <laughs> I was offered a job even before I graduated full time at the, at the library where I was working uh, within Hunter. So I worked there for another three years, um, working closely with, uh, with the archivist that was part of that uh, research library. And, you know, doing, like I said, um, the research and writing for them. And um, eventually I just, I felt I wanted to move on. Um, I wasn't necessarily enjoying the work anymore. I felt like um, I wasn't being challenged. Right. So um, I, I quit that position where I had been at that point for five years. And um, it was like taking a leap, essentially. Um, Did you have a job when you quit? Like a, another job lined up? No, I didn't. Nice. I, it wasn't. It was like probably the worst time in the economy, so it was not a, not the best decision or not the best time. I think it was a good decision to leave, but it wasn't. It wasn't easy finding other work. But right. what happened is I got um, the only positions I qualified for at that point were um, administrative positions um, because they were the only ones still in demand and the only ones that people were hiring for. So I, I landed another role. I think. It was at a, a, a medical college, Cornell Medical College. Okay. Um, and then from there, moved. I ended up getting laid off after a year and a half, and I moved to a, a research center 
uh, for the Visiting Nurse Service of New York, where I was working with their essentially like data and reporting team. Um, and that was, it was slightly more technical. I did have to post some things to a WordPress blog, but ultimately I was still an admin. And I started getting really, really fr frustrated because I, I held the same title for six years and was not growing and was completely bored and just, it, it, it wasn't the kind of environment for me. Okay. So I started exploring different options for a career. Um, I, I even hired a, a career coach, um, took these like, personality quizzes. I, I did not know what I wanted to do, but I knew I didn't want to do what I was doing. Right. Um, and so I, I decided to go back and attempt writing. And I, I started a blog so that I could at least have something that I enjoy on the side, even though I was like really unhappy with my work. Um, and what happened there was, um, purely by accident. I just, I, I became really interested in learning, um, CSS so that I could change the layout and add, add, you know, make it more personal. Yeah. Um, I decided to take an online course with, um, as at that time it was a new company called Skill Crush. Okay. And, um, they were offering a two week HTML CSS course and I thought, sure, this is a hobby. I can do this in my free time. And I just, I really enjoyed it. So it was basically learning like s simple front-end development and I had so much fun. Um, and I actually had an opportunity to meet with the founder. Um, her name is Ada Bernier. And she just wanted some feedback on what my experience was uh, during the class and, and something, you know, feedback that would help them um, improve the, the program, courses. improve yeah. it, yeah. Okay. So, um, I, she told me her story and it, uh, she was coming from a media background and learned programming and now she's, you know, teaching it and, and creating this gorgeous website, um, for, you know, it's a learning platform. And I was really inspired by her story and she really told me to, to keep on learning. Um, and I thought, wow, I, I didn't really plan to get into programming again. I thought I had left it behind in high school, but um, it was really exciting, and um, she told me that there was a huge demand, and especially for women, and so I got really excited in learning to program again, um, and started looking at ways in, where I could learn while still keeping my job. It was challenging, <laughs> but okay. Uh, yeah. Sorry, keep going. Oh, so I um, I took some some local some courses locally, some in person courses. I started applying to boot camps. I remember getting rejected for one. I won't say which one. <laughs> but uh, I got I got ultimately accepted into a program. Um, um, it was run by the Coalition for Queens, which is a nonprofit out in Queens, New York, and um, it was a pilot program introducing people to programming, uh, specifically iOS development. Sorry, I thought my computer shut off. Oh, that's okay. So, um, <laughs> real quick, I. Thank you so much. This story is just, I love it. Especially the part, you know, you're, you kind of just do this hobby thing and then it leads to meeting this person and you get inspired. But I want to ask real quick, mm -hmm. what were you writing about? You decided to go back and start this oh, blog. Yeah. What were you writing about? Um, s stories. It, it's sort of memoir writing. I don't write fiction. I like to write uh, about my, my life experiences, um, you know, moments that I've had that were particularly, um, memorable um and do you it, still maintain that blog is it the same one that you have now i think it's, uh, it's your no. your name 
No, um, so I, I I won't share the blog. <laughs> it was years <laughs> ago, um, but it's still out there. I haven't taken it down. It's a, it's still out there. Um, but um, now I try to blog more about my experience um, programming. Um, I can get into it a little bit later in the story, but um, a lot of people reach out to me uh, because they are inspired by how I came into programming, and so I try. I've been trying to write about what it's like. Um, learning to program, how I did it, and what it's been like, what my experience has been. Yeah, that's exactly what we want to learn about more. Yeah. Okay, so how did you decide to apply for the Coalition of Queens? Uh, you're doing your research, you're looking at all these uh, mm -hmm. different courses and boot camps. How did you decide on that one? I actually heard about it through a meetup um, that I belonged to, and um, it was part of a mailing list, like, hey, there's this... this program and here's where you apply so I just sort of applied on a whim interviewed on a whim and just wasn't really thinking about mobile at that point I really wanted to learn front-end web development and um, the opportunity came up they accepted me um, they said that the program starts in two weeks let us know and it, it, it fit in within um, my schedule it was the classes were on weekends and it was pretty affordable more uh, very significantly more affordable than uh, a lot of the other full-time programs um, out here in New York. So was this uh, after the iPhone came out? Was this right around that time? Was like the iPhone already in existence? Well, this was three years ago. Yeah. So the, this, oh, okay. the iPhone awesome. was out there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then, so I don't understand. You have to apply to these programs. I mean, I guess I, yes. I, I knew about one. It was like in San Francisco. It was like a full stack one. I can't remember what it was called. But is that normal that you're having to apply to these boot camps and they accept or reject you? Yes, um, it's it's pretty competitive. They receive a lot of applicants. Um, the, um, the, I don't know how many the Coalition for Queens received. I think they had about a 15% acceptance rate, and now I'm sure it's a lot smaller, um, and, and their application process is more rigorous. I didn't know that, because like, I'm only familiar with some of the boot camps um, like, that I've heard of out here. Mm -hmm. uh, like, you know, I guess I don't even know if they're boot camps, but like General Assembly, for instance, like they have courses... I didn't know that you had to apply to those. Are they like offering something where it's like worth it to kind of go through this application process? Like besides the course, are they saying that like we have a network and we can help you get a job and that yes. kind of stuff? Yes. Um, okay. I don't know that they necessarily guarantee a job, but they do have. Uh, I mean, the the companies where the schools rather where you're you're paying like a, a huge chunk, they have connections with um, with companies and they can after you finish the course, set you up either at an internship or a full-time position. Okay, and then uh, my guess is they're just having apl uh, people apply because they want to sort of weed out the people who maybe aren't as serious or they want to sort of get the people who have the best chance of succeeding and yes. just like any other school. Okay, and then um, why, did you, why did you choose that particular boot, boot camp or like even a boot camp? Like some people, for instance me, like I taught myself, some people... Um, do online courses like what was specific about you and that boot camp um, because there's people out there that are trying to decide that same thing like they're trying yes. to decide what's the best course uh, you know way to go about learning so what was it for you um, well when I first tried to pick up HTML and CSS I just picked up a book and it just sat there for months um, I think for me a more uh, structured environment works Right. And, and I think these, at the time, the way that these boot camps are sold are just 
sort of you know learn something in, in a short 10 weeks or a couple of months and you know you're you're at a new career when you graduate which in hindsight is is crazy to think about but hmm. um it seemed really appealing that i could change my career especially given how like unhappy i was i, I just really wanted to to get moving okay and then do you think that like I remember I, I was at a meetup and the, the, like the question came up about these type of boot camps where maybe the sort of the thing that they're selling is slightly um, misleading or something. And mm-hmm. I told the person, I said, you know what, like outsider looking in, it's a blessing that there's these people out there like selling this course and like helping you change your life around if they really are helping you, Right. Right. Uh, like, do you think, I mean, it sounds like in your case, the, the boot camp really helped. Um, do you think there is a little bit of that going on though? Like, I, it sounds like you did a little research on like all the different options out there. There weren't um, too many at the time. Um, okay. it was this idea of like, uh, the boot camps, there, there just weren't too many. Now there are a lot more. So um, since you've gone mm-hmm. through it, like, what would you say is something to look out for? Like if you're, if you're someone that's researching the different options, like. What are some basic like ways to, to know what you're getting into that it's a good thing? I would say talk to people. I actually one of um, one of the meetups I held was it last year maybe through my meetup group was um, we brought in some former students from boot camps and asked, asked them for their experience and essentially had a lot of the audience do the questions and the the people on the panel were you know sharing. Um, I okay. think that's probably a better route to go than than to you know talk to the school directly and they're just trying to sell you on a product essentially right right okay so um real quick just overall experience you were you're happy that you made the decision to go to this boot camp i did i think it was a really positive experience um so it, the way it was it was 10 weeks um i think there were classes on the weekends and um we were assigned a project very early on and split into groups and i was in a group with uh, one ta and then four other yeah, four other people in the group, and um, we are all still friends three years later. They're, oh, that's great. They're, they're just, it created a really good bond there, um, and we did put out an app, which is in the App Store, but now lo- looking at it, it needs so much work. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, it was, it was a good learning experience. Um, it, it was something to be proud of and to know that um, you know, we're capable of creating something um, together. So, okay, um, so it, it yeah. was an iOS uh, boot camp. Yes, it was okay, iOS. awesome. Um, but I will say it was it was um, it was not without its. It, it was a pilot, so it, there were certain things that were lacking. I, I felt there was there wasn't enough um, class time, um, and just I felt it wasn't long enough. I, I it went really quickly, and I didn't learn as much as I thought I was going to learn. It, it just a lot of it went over my head. Okay. Um, but um, I, not to speak ill of the program, since then they've, they've expanded the program to an, a nine-month program. There's a lot more class time. I, they heard our feedback uh, being part, part of the pilot, and so they've really improved the program since then. Okay, awesome. What would be something, like one uh, piece of advice you'd have for someone who does uh, take a boot camp to like get the most out of it? Um, well, um, it, it's a sacrifice. And you have to go into it knowing that you're, um, a huge chunk of your time is going to be, your, your life is essentially going to revolve around learning for a bit. 
because it's it's meant to be that intensive. Um, you're cramming a, a, a bunch of uh, information into a short time. Um, I was still working full time while doing this program, and it, it was a lot. It was just a lot for me. I was exhausted, <laughs> but mm. um, excited at the same time. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just be ready for the sacrifice, ultimately. Yeah, I think you have to really want it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay, so you go through this boot camp, and then you you graduate, I guess, from the boot camp. Mm-hmm. What happens? What do you do? You're still working full-time yes. as an administrator, mm-hmm. but now you've gone through this boot camp, and you have this interest. You've been inspired by this um, this person, Anna. What was her name? Anu? Ara. Ara. Two D's, A D D A. Oh, okay, Ada. And so now you're you're done, and, and then what do you do? Um, so I, I was basically introduced to a company that was taking interns. The company is Viggle. It's like Wiggle with a V. Okay. Um, they have a mobile app, or they had one. I'm not sure what's going on right now, but um, essentially, it, you can track your TV watching, and it gives you points for watching TV. What? Yeah. <laughs> and you can redeem the points at their store. Um, so I worked there for um, for about for six months. How did you get that? Just like right out of out of the boot camp, you just got that yeah. job. Like how did that work? Um, the the company was interested in taking interns, and they spoke directly with uh, the coalition for coalition for Queens. And wow. so um, they, I. Received an email saying, "Hey, is anyone interested in, in working at this company?" And um, I replied. I met with um, the, their lead engineer at the time, and um, you know, started a couple weeks later. Quit wow. my job. I quit my nice. job entirely. All right. <laughs> yeah. So I started doing iOS full time, um, and it was, was still it very. Paid? I was still, it was paid. Awesome. Uh, it, definitely a pay cut, but it, for me, it was just so exciting to to work at a startup and to be around this completely different environment and yeah it, it was awesome <laughs> yeah describe that a little more so you you graduate you get this internship and you mm-hmm. quit like describe that that is a really important part of your story you know yeah. like I could I totally relate to that I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it now like just mm-hmm. describe that a little more I was so ready to leave and I just kept waiting for them to confirm that you know the date that I'd be starting the internship. And um, I, I still have the um, my resignation letter, and I don't want to get rid of it because it's such an important thing. <laughs> nice. Um, and uh, I remember I didn't even I, I didn't even give a full two weeks. I was like a week and a half. <laughs> so it's like, nope, I'm gone. And, and when you uh, get that, when you get the job, and you're and then you're kind of thinking back, like it's almost for me, it was like unreal. Like when I got um, the job where I'm at now, it's like kind of unreal. Like, wait, because I remember feeling like so desperate and in despair and like mm-hmm. hopeless. And then now it's like, wow, I did it. You know, I mean, I still have room to grow. I still have places to go. But um, did, did you feel like that at all? I was very, I mean, I, I was very, very early in my learning. And looking okay. back now, um, I think there was a lot I needed to learn still. But I think that the, the internship was, a, it was definitely, I felt right about it you know, the first, second day, I, I, this is exactly the environment that I wanted to be in. It, it's very different. I was working as an admin and, and support staff, essentially, where I was constantly being interrupted and, and managing uh, like 15, 20 different things at the same time. I, I think it was valuable to learn how to do that, but it's just not how I prefer to work. I kind of, I really like to focus and work on one thing at a time. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I knew that I, I would enjoy it because I was having, um, I just loved the, the environment of the startup and working yeah. for a tech company and, it, and the people and working on a small team. It, it was great from the very beginning. So I knew I'd made the right decision, even though it was, it was a leap because I knew that after the internship, um, I, I may or may not get hired and I, I may just be completely unemployed for a while. What did your friends, family, you know, people that are close to you say around this time when you're doing this whole transition? Um, I think everyone was really supportive and excited for me. Um, I, that's that's all I remember. That's great. <laughs> so what happens? You're doing this internship. How long were you there? And did you stay on? Did they hire you after? Or what, what happened? I was there for six months. Um, originally, the contract was for three, but it was extended another three months. Um, I, I learned a lot about... Um, what it was like working on a team and, and working on an app in production. Um, I, I learned a lot of the processes as far as um, planning um, and also I learned uh, I learned how to use Jira. I learned a lot more about um, version control. I, I didn't learn very much in, in the boot camp so that was new and scary and you know, it was something important that I needed to learn but it helped me later on when I was applying to jobs. For those that might not know, and I actually just learned this yesterday, Jira is a bug tracker, and maybe more, um, but it's at least a bug tracker created by Atlassian, I believe. And the reason I know this is because I was uh, working on uh, joining the open source Swift community as a contributor, which anybody anybody can do. So I started that, and the way you find the bugs is through Jira. They do uh, the bugs tracker through Jira. It's bugs.swift or something.com or something like that. Um, yeah. Okay. So you, it sounds like you learned things besides just programming. Like that's what I'm learning now. And that's what I've been learning at farmers. Like Mm -hmm. all of the things that go into sort of supporting the development of software. So just the whole software development process beyond just, beyond just coding, right? Continuous integration and continuous delivery and all the DevOps stuff, which is really cool. Okay, so, sorry, go ahead. Um, oh, just to add to your um, definition of Jira, it's also used as a project management tool, essentially. So it's where we do our, like, scrum and planning, at least okay. at BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're using Pivotal Tracker, mm-hmm. and we're always playing around with other things, like thinking of, of using other things, but we're using Pivotal Tracker right now. Um, yeah, so, but it seems like... Uh, yeah, I haven't seen the the project management part of Jira. There's so many different tools out there. It's like yes. <laughs> okay, so you're working at Viggle for as an intern for six months, mm-hmm. and then what happens? Um, so ultimately, they they weren't hiring um, anyone after the internship, and so there were there were two interns. That's why I mentioned it. Um, okay, and the, the company just wasn't in a position to hire, um, but. So I started, I mean, I knew that it was up, coming up and uh, the end of it. And I started applying to positions and interviewing and just seeing what was out there. And um, I, I realized that um, I wasn't really feeling confident yet. I didn't have that. Um, and that there were a lot of, um, there were certain areas where I was lacking as far as experience. I didn't really understand networking too well or core data. And there are specific things that I wanted to still learn. Right. Um, and just get stronger in, um, and just increase in my confidence. So I actually ended up taking a second course. 
Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, and this one, basically, um, I learned about it because they were hosting a meetup event and somebody forwarded that to me. And I just took a look at the school and what they were offering. Uh, this one was in New York as well. It's called Turn to Tech. Okay. And it was relatively new. And they were basically um, teaching a lot of the... They, I saw the syllabus, essentially. I went in and I met with uh, one of the founders, and it basically included all the things that I knew that I needed to learn still. It was a very good, very broad overview of, of everything you would need to know. And I only knew that because I had been out there talking to people, you know, to, company, um, to companies, and I had been out there also interning. Uh, but I think for somebody completely new, they, they might not know exactly what they need to know to, be, you know, to get in there and start working on apps full time. Yeah, what would you say is a good way to, to find that out? Um, probably talking to developers, honestly. Probably talking to people who are, who are in the field or, you know, listening to podcasts or um, reading blogs, perhaps. Yeah, so the, basically the question is, like, what do I, what's the base that I need to learn? What are the most important things I need to learn in order to be hireable, um, you know, at, at a company? I got asked that question. Someone was asking me if I should learn core data and this and that. Ultimately, I think that the most important thing is your ability to learn, right? Because right. you're not going to know everything. But if you know how to go learn those things um, and you, you're able to learn those things, that's the most important thing. So if you can demonstrate that yeah. uh, w during the hiring process, I think that will really benefit you. Uh, yeah, okay, definitely. so how long was that course? It was six weeks. Um, it went over fundamentals and then it went um, through – more complex stuff. So it was a progressive thing. Um, you start off with very simple tasks like writing FISBAs or something, or then you go into um, smaller, it, basically the, the tasks, the projects, it was all project-based learning and it was all, a lot of it was independent study essentially, but there were instructors there to answer any questions. And um, I think that I think it's just a, a really good format that worked for me because I already had some iOS experience. Um, I can't speak to what it would be like for somebody completely learning from scratch. Um, right. But I think that the program essentially it, it tends to accept people who already have at least one language under their belt. And were you experienced with Objective-C at that point or were you already yes. learning Swift? Okay, so yes. you have Objective-C experience when you first yeah. started with the, right. the Queen's Coalition. Yeah, Swift then, didn't exist. <laughs> okay, and um, then the second course, was it in Objective-C or Swift? It was also Objective-C. At that point, oh, wow. Swift had um, had come out, but not, not, not everyone was using it. It was just, it was too new and um, I wanted to just continue learning more learning more iOS as opposed to learning a language. I was told that Swift would be easy for me to pick up um, having had that Objective-C experience, so I wasn't too worried about it. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that was a, that was a good move. I think now it's fine to just to, to be learning Swift, but if you mm -hmm. want to go ahead and learn Objective-C, it's not going to hurt you. Right. Um, okay, so I want to talk about your meetup. You've mentioned meetups in general a couple times during mm -hmm. your story, and I think you even mentioned your meetup. Yes. Um, and I mentioned it uh, at the beginning, so it's NYC Tech Latinas. Right. Uh, when did you start this meetup, and how does this play into your whole sort of uh, your story? Sure. Um, so um, my friend Yvonne uh, de la Peña is her name. Um, she started the meetup about three years ago. And um, I came on shortly thereafter because, uh, you know, she felt it would, she needed some help. So um, I was, of course, excited. 
but um, I was very new to tech at that point. I was just somebody who was still learning. Um, so to be part of a, a tech Latinas group was, was really interesting um, because I've seen my, my progress to it. Um, Yvonne was definitely um, an inspiration to me. She has a, a CS background and now um, focuses on um, essentially CS education. Um, so she, she runs a, a, a course um, here in New York that, well, it's not a course, it's a, a nonprofit that teaches high school students how to code. Awesome. What's it called? Uh, code Now. Awesome. Um, so, yeah. So I, I've actually volunteered for them and it was really awesome. So, at what point in your transition did you join uh, Yvonne? So this is back when I was still learning front-end development. I had, I had no, no iOS experience at that point. I'd, so this was when you started working on your blog and you were like right. trying to tinker with your blog. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I, I met her through a, a meetup that I started. It was, it was less technical. It was more around women and what does it mean to be a woman. It's sort of feminism. Okay. Um, she would come up to all my events and, and um, she was really supportive. And I just be one of the people, I just... There was a time in my life where I became surrounded by people who were who had technical backgrounds, and I was just really inspired by them. And so she's definitely one of the people. Yeah, Ada, um, and now Yvonne. Right. Yeah. Um, so we started the meetup sort of because there there wasn't a community out there already for Latinas in tech, um, and we just we didn't know who would show up. We had no idea, and for a while our, our meetup was small. It was consisting of maybe thirty people in total. Um, Once we, a month. Yeah, we would try to do it once a month. Um, we and played you around. said 30 people would show up? Not show up. There were 30 members. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. It was a lot. It was, it was smaller. Um, right. Um, but it was because, you know, no one had ever heard of us, and we were still, like, sort of growing our membership. Right. Um, so, yeah. So now it's, it's, you know, three years later. We've sort of changed the format a little bit. We moved out of meetup.com, and we instead are on Facebook now and Twitter. And Interesting. We have, we, have a, uh, we have a website as well. It's uh, madebylatinas.com. And um, we're, just, we're playing around with, with our events. But our main event at this point, which started in January, is we have these monthly hack nights where we invite people, um, women specifically, not, not just Latinas, all women are welcome to come and just like hack together and learn from each other. And we're also playing around with um, hosting workshops and sort of teaching each other and then, you know, just building things essentially. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, so how important would you say is uh, going to meetups or, and your meetup specifically in your transition uh, going from what you were doing before to what you're doing now? Right. Um, so it was important for me to have um, like a strong network and have a good uh, good community of people, particularly, uh, you know, you feel some kind of bond with somebody who's, who's similar to you culturally and especially not seeing that many women in, in, in general, but like seeing people like me in the field, it was really good for me to have that community, um, to have created it and to and have it be part of my life as, as I was progressing. Yeah. So... My, the meetup I started, crazy transformational, like because of that meetup, definitely I am uh, where I am now. Like, so I'm so grateful for, for the meetup and for the coffee that I drank right before I decided to start it. <laughs> um, so what would you say to somebody who has been thinking about going to meetups or has been thinking about starting uh, a meetup um, in, in the sense of like that 
you know, why they should do it or what benefits like they could get from, from doing it? I think going to events is great. I, I just, I, I think the importance of having that community is, is, uh, it, for me, it's essential. Um, and I, I go to a, a good number of the iOS meetups. I, I make an effort. I don't always go to all of them, but, uh, if there's something particularly, um, interesting, a topic that I, I might want to learn about, I'll definitely show up. This is, these are, most of the ones I go to at this point are iOS specific besides the one that I help organize, which is just more general technical skills. Um, I would definitely say it, it's good for developing your skills for meeting new people. Um, you also hear about job opportunities at a lot of these meetups. Um, uh, there's one that I go to out here called IO Soho, which, uh, you know, after the talks have wrapped up, there are announcements and there are, you know, people from the audience can get up and say, hey, my company's hiring, they're hiring juniors, they're hiring seniors, and you might not hear that information anywhere else. Totally. Totally agree. <laughs> okay, real quick, because we're on the subject of meetups, I just wanted a shout out to Matt Diaz, I believe it's D-I-A-S, Diaz, Diaz, I'm not mm -hmm. sure. Uh, he started LearnSwift Boston. Um, they have 89 members now, and it looks like they're meeting up, um, you know, maybe once a month or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, he he reached out to me because I say often on the podcast, like, hey, if you need help starting a meetup, hit me up, I'll help you, I'll do what I can. And he did. And now he started, he started LearnSwift Boston uh, June 2014, I'm sorry, June 14, uh, June 14th, 2016. So yeah, so uh, it's real. It's real, folks. Yeah. Hit me up. Um, and just like uh, Paula's saying, like it, you know, there's a lot of different benefits. Like you mentioned the networking one, definitely because I'm a meetup, I got the job that I have now because awesome. one of my meetup members referred me. <laughs> okay, so you are doing this, uh, I think you said it was a six-week course, <laughs> um, the second one. You do you go through the whole uh, whole course? You, it's like you graduate, or um, there's no formal graduation, and and it's not it's not super formal. And when I started, I was the only one starting that week. For example, it's sort of rolling admission. Okay. Um, so I I started around it was summertime, June, July, around then. Um, I and I wrapped up after the six weeks. So we're we're talking like I think it's like the end of August and this this August. Last, no, not last. Last 2015. <laughs> okay. No, 14, 14. Okay, okay. Um, okay, so I'm I'm done with the course, and basically the way the course was, it's six weeks, and then there's like six weeks of like internship, essentially. The the, the school acts as an incubator for some, some uh, you know, companies just starting out, and they basically provide the technical talent. Oh, that's students. great. That's mm -hmm. great. Okay. It's under supervision of, you know, very experienced software engineers. But So um, they also like accept tech founders kind of, and then the people yes. coming out of the course can be the technical co-founders or at least help out with the development of, of those. Um, you yes, know, those exactly. That's awesome. Um, so I, uh, I was working on an app at that point that was just starting out and it was super helpful to me to sort of learn a little bit more about the architecture, like what is this app going to look like? What does the data model look like? It's not something I had ever thought about because um, I just didn't have to. Usually there was someone who had thought about that for me. So I spent a couple of weeks planning it out and then I, I worked on the development. It ended up being longer than six weeks. It's not like I got kicked out <laughs> after six weeks. So I was just working on that up until I got hired um, at BuzzFeed. Awesome. Um, how, how did you get the BuzzFeed gig? 
Well, um, I remember at, at the time I was being like really pursued by recruiters constantly. And I remember <laughs> hearing about, hey, this company, you know, BuzzFeed's hiring. I, I already knew about the company. I, I was following several of, of their writers on Twitter. I'm, I'm definitely a fan. Um, so I was actually introduced to, I mean, like um, considered for the position through another company called Power to Fly. Okay, um, what's that? So basically they're a company that work with companies to hire talent, specifically um, women. And um, So it's like a recruiting company, yes, but specifically for women and tech, and tech so companies. So what they specialize in are, are remote positions. So they work with women nice. all over the world. And they, they like have partnered with companies to um, you know get women into these roles and, and uh, that are very flexible because they're remote and sort of around their schedules. Um, and so I, um, they introduced me to BuzzFeed. They, they made the introduction. And then from there, I, I had to go through the interview process. So for Power to Fly, is it only engineering type roles or tech companies? Um, I think it's, it's just tech in general. It's not just engineering. And is the BuzzFeed job that you have now, is that a remote gig? No, it's not. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll get to that. Oh, okay. Okay. So I, I thought I was interviewing for a remote position, essentially. I, I thought also that, um, I don't, I'm not sure if Power to Fly is still doing this, but they have this sort of probation period where you work with a company. If it works out, they decide to take you on. And then I think you would be paid through Power to Fly. So it's sort of a contracting thing. I thought I was interviewing for a remote contract position. Um, and so at the time, I, I thought, um, I don't know if I really want to do that. Um, but um, ultimately, when BuzzFeed made the offer, um, I, don't, I wasn't sure. I was on the fence because I had a, another offer already. And then um, I decided, I, I didn't know what to choose, but um, the founder of Power to Fly call, uh, called me or emailed me, and she said, no, no, this is, this is a full-time position. Like, they're offering you, like, stock options and benefits, like, the whole nine. Wow. And I was completely in shock, and... Um, I didn't, I, it took me a while to decide. Um, I remember talking to the recruiter and he's like, do you want this job? Do you want it? And I said, yes, absolutely. Nice. Yeah. And that was uh, summer 2014? No, no. So that was December. So it was maybe a couple of days before Thanksgiving, uh, no, uh, Christmas rather. Okay. Yeah. 2014. Yes. Nice. So what would you say, like, how did you put yourself in a position where you had, an offer from this other company that you kind of mm -hmm. just mentioned, and you had an offer coming through Power to Fly. Power to fly. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. yeah, how did you? What did you do? What would you say? Like, because there's a lot of people out there who are you know trying to find jobs, and uh, especially like junior or starter positions. Yeah. You know, I interviewed a lot. I interviewed okay. for months. I interviewed so much that I I got. You know, I could tell my story and my experience, like sell myself in my sleep. Right, right. I, I just, I did it a ton until I was super comfortable with it. So by the time I showed up to the BuzzFeed interview, I was super relaxed. Right. That is such a good point. Um, and it is like, it doesn't have to be a story, but if you can tell your story, tell, mm -hmm. you know, sell yourself or talk about yourself as a story, people love stories. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't have to be, you don't have to have the most amazing story. Not everybody has, you know, some maybe dramatic transition or whatever, right? But, but when you go through that process of interviewing over and over again, um, yeah, that happens. And you know what? It doesn't just have to be job interviews. 
I got really good at telling my story because I would tell it at my meetup all the time. Because mm-hmm. at the beginning of my meetup, I have everyone introduce themselves. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's such a good such a good point. Right. Well, I mean, I, pretty much every interview, you, the first question you're asked, so tell me about yourself. So I got I got excellent at that. Um, and I think that also what what was really what really helped me out was that I was consistently working on working on something. I mean, there, I never really stopped after after um, that last that second boot camp course. I was continuing to build my skills, continuing to get confident, um, just picking up whatever I could learn. And I think that that was impressive to the companies I was interviewing with. I think it, it's something I advise people who are looking for jobs now. Like, just work on something. Have a project you're working on because I think that makes for a more interesting conversation than uh, when you're just giving these very specific technical questions that are not about projects. And what would you say are the different ways to, um, you know, kind of display that work? Obviously, you can ship an app to the app store. Mm-hmm. Like, what what were you doing? Did you have apps in the app store, or how did you show them that work that you were doing? Um, so, oftentimes, uh, it's becoming more common, at least from what I remember. Um, having, having, um, well, the, the companies will send out a, a test for you to do a code sample, essentially. The Flickr one, right? Um, that's what, that's what, that's what I've been noted, you know, like that's what I've, yeah, the Flickr one. So they're they're all kind of similar. You basically build out a table view, have it opened up to a detail view. And sometimes if you are able to like, you know, persist the data. Uh, And and hit the network probably. Yes, of course. You make a network call and use that to populate the table view essentially. Um, they're, they're pretty standard. And I think that, um, I, I got really used to, to making those they are all like slightly different from one, you know, you're working with a different API, but, um, I think that I, I, I just would do them for myself less so less than the company, you know, that I was trying to interview with. Um, and then I had several of those to show, um, and you would uh, just have like the GitHub. code on GitHub. Okay. So you yeah. just have the code on GitHub and maybe have like the sample app on mm-hmm. your phone. Yeah, exactly. That's such a great, that's such a great idea. Okay, so at the point that you got hired, you took the offer at BuzzFeed. Um, did you have an app in the App Store that was like your personal app, like with your name? I mean, not personal app, but like it was just your name. Um, no, I didn't. I yeah. didn't. I just had the app that I had built that first boot The Viggo one. Um, no, not the Viggo one. Um, I guess I didn't mention the name. The, the, the app that I built out with a group that was oh, right. in our first boot camp, it was called right. DeLocker. So it's basically a password management app. Okay, cool. Um, so I had that, and then um, I, I was able to talk about the projects I was working on. They hadn't been released yet, but there was a, a projected date at that point, and I, I was right. able to show it on my phone. Um, right. But he did not ask me to... Um, show them anything like that. I'm not sure if they looked at my GitHub. They might have. But um, the interview was more conversational and more talking about my projects, which is why it worked out really well because I had a lot to talk about in that area. That's awesome. Yeah, and I don't have any apps in the App Store like with just my name on it. Um, I'm working on that. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. But I think it's it's cool. I mean, like you don't necessarily have to do it. It's it's probably a really great way because a lot of the job postings I see like it's like, show me the app in the app store, right? But, you know, you don't necessarily have to. Like, you can just have a, a lot of work on GitHub, for instance, to yeah. uh, to show show off your skills. Mm-hmm. And I would so, say definitely um, use the descriptors there on GitHub and just sort of definitely say what, exactly what this 
chunk of code is meant to do. So what, uh, what are some of the things that you guys do at BuzzFeed? Like, are you guys using storyboards? Are you guys doing everything programmatically? And like, how, yeah, like, what's your role there? Are you just like a part of the team or like how, because it sounds like you, you know, are you just like 13 developers all working together on the same thing? Mm-hmm. Um, like, how, how's all that? Do you guys do pair programming? Do you guys do test driven? Um, neither of those. But I'll tell you, when I came on, um, just to, to get into some Swift talk, I, I did not know I was going to be learning Swift. It was just sort of, hey, by the way, you're on news and you're working in Swift now. Awesome. Um, yeah. So um, I had to learn it from the very beginning. Um, I was given a task, essentially, like a small, uh, I had to create a custom action. Uh, what is that called? Alert? Alert. Oh, okay. Thing. A UI alert controller? Yes. Um, so I basically, I didn't know what, where in the world to get started with Swift. So essentially, <laughs> I, I, did, I was just like, what do, what do I, I read the, the intro in the Swift book and I didn't know what to do. So what? was easy for me was to write in an Objective-C and then my manager sat next to me and we, we wrote it out in Swift together and that helped a lot sort of like how, how does this what I just wrote work in Swift right um, and from there I just started writing Swift and it was you know I was slow at first just getting used to the different syntax but I think I, I picked it up pretty quickly um, within a couple weeks it, it was a lot easier to write and within a month, I would say, we probably like mastered it. Oh, wow. Um, and when did you fall in love with Swift? Oh, almost immediately. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so much easier to read. And, and, and I think uh, I would, I often got stuck on the syntax when it came to Objective-C. Like, how in the world like does this, especially like the, the long method names. Right. Um, it was just, it, Swift just comes more naturally. I guess it's more like. Nah, it just reads better. Um, but uh, getting back to what I was working on, uh, we were building out a completely new app. So I was given pretty like large features to work on. Awesome. Um, and just we built out this like awesome feed. And as far as um, we did have storyboard, we used it minimally. We used uh, nip files wherever we could. Okay. Um, but I haven't um, done that much. Nope. Um, I actually, I learned using nip files. So I was used to it. But, but then um, where had I worked on that um, I had become, become really used to working, uh, uh, just doing everything programmatically. And right. I, I remember I tried to write that alert controller completely programmatically and I managed it. It's like, hey, you can just use a zip for this. Oh, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, I just, it, it was fine. There are certain situations where it, it's just, it makes things easier as far as like laying things out. Um, but um, for more specific uh, you know creating dynamic views when you don't you don't know how many views are going to be created for example until you you get the data then um, we had to do some some creating views programmatically Um, i worked on a lot of the ui stuff because yeah it needed to be built out um, but we also um, you know had to create uh, different ways to parse the data and um, different model classes for a while it it was all new and are you sort of like, how does it work? You're just said, okay, this is what you have to do. And you're kind of off by yourself just doing it. Or yeah. How does yeah. that work? Um, so we were, you know, we we're given out the tasks in JIRA and I would be working mostly on my own. I sat next to my manager. So um, if I had any questions, I could definitely approach him. But for the most part, I was just, you know, chugging along, um, building out um, 
building things out and then um, my code would go through review at that point that the team was four people so um, we would all look at each other's code like code uh, you do code review right. yeah using would you guys do, like, would using do use github, GitHub or gitlab yeah. okay github cool. um, so we you know i create a pull request um, tagged everyone in it and then um, get a lot of a lot of feedback which helped me a ton um, at first it, it was um it wasn't great to get feedback. I was nervous. Uh, it right. just it felt like, oh my god, I'm being judged for what I'm writing. But it was so helpful to me. I learned a ton. Uh, my my team members were really helpful. And like, if, if there's any any concepts that they they felt I need to that would help me learn something or do something better, they would send me um, links, and I would go and check them out. And it was super helpful to me. And it still is. I still find code reviews really helpful. Yeah, and then um, being shy about the code eventually for me like turns into being proud, like wanting to show yeah. off like your solution, and yeah. you know really excited to get the feedback because, you know you you know to hear someone else's perspective, they might think about the problem differently. Exactly. Really cool. Yeah. So you said your manager uh, was sitting next to you, like, mm -hmm. uh, or you guys sat next to each other. Uh, the manager. Is, is the manager like iOS developer? Or are they like a lead oh, yeah. sort of uh, so iOS he, developer? He's the lead. Um, he's actually he's still my lead. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he, he was sitting directly next to me, and um, I was able to bounce stuff off of him. And if I ever like, got stuck, you know, the iOS, there's certain quirks, certain things that you, know, you wouldn't know unless you run up against it. And um, yeah. that was really helpful to have someone nearby. Um, and, and also, sorry. And then we also have um, we also have Slack, so we communicate a ton. Um, the other um, iOS developers on our team were, were remote. There was a remote. Per well, no, not remote. He was in Minneapolis, okay. uh, in our other office. And then the other one was a contractor. But we were still able to work together really well. Over Slack. Yep. Yeah, I saw that on your Twitter bio. It says uh, "Living the Inbox Zero Life." Yeah. <laughs> So like maybe uh, Slack helps with that probably, huh? Like not having to send like emails back and forth. Yes. I mean, I, I still get a good chunk of emails, but they're more about what's going on in the company. And I do get um, emails from GitHub alerting me whenever, you know, there's a new pull request or something. So uh, for your Git flow, are you, do you use Terminal or are you using like a sub, what's it called, source tree or GitHub client, anything like that? So I use the terminal. I also use the um, the GitHub like desktop app for right, Mac. Right. Right. Um, and I also use Tower. It's I use just a combination of the three, depending because nice. some some of them do things better than cool. the others. So I just I use a good, I pretty flexible with, with at, them. At what point did you start uh, learning Git and Git flow and, and and especially like in the terminal and all that? Um. So I learned. Um, this was in the, inter the internship I had after, well, at Viggle, the one I had at Viggle. Right, um, right. I, I learned from there, and I made this awful mistake once, <laughs> and it traumatized me. <laughs> I was really afraid, but um, but th that's, that's the way to learn. Um, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it was unfortunate. I mean, well, fortunately, it was something that was able to be fixed, so I, it wasn't a, a, a huge, huge mess, but um, I think... I think you can never really stop learning about Git. There's there's always something that you don't know well, and there's always a, like new quirks. And um, I am still trying to to tackle that monster sometimes. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, totally, totally. I, uh, I'm doing Git from the command line too. It's mm-hmm. definitely lots of uh, things to learn. Okay, so what's your workstation? I want to start asking my, uh, my guests about their workstation setup. So at work, what do you use? Um, so I have a MacBook Pro. Um, I, I couldn't tell you the specs. I don't have it with me. But uh, essentially I have, I have a MacBook Pro and I have um, a, you know, a separate monitor. Like an Apple Thunderbolt display or like a Dell or something? Um, I think it's just a Dell. Cool. Um, yeah, and it, it's super helpful to me. I wish I had more monitors. <laughs> yeah, I want to get a portrait monitor, like a monitor just in portrait, you know, like so two monitors, one in portrait. Ah, okay. I, definitely some people at the office, I've seen them with more. Some of the designers need like enormous screens or something. Yeah. What's your um, keyboard, mouse, trackpad situation? I have I have an ergonomic mouse. It's sort of a vertical mouse because um, I have issues with my wrists and my carpal tunnel. So I it's so like your so thumb, your thumb points up. It's yeah, it is pointing up. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So it's like a joystick kind of or it not quite a joystick. It it looks more like a oh my gosh, somebody described it. As What's a, it called? Like I'll a, link to it. Um. Evolent, evo, like I can't even pronounce it. Let me see if I can. E v u, evolent. It's e v o l u e n t. Okay, cool. Yeah. O l u n t. L u e n t. L u e n t. Right. And then, how about your keyboard? I don't love my keyboard right now. I have to confess. Um, so I had, I was just using the standard, like the standard, um, you know, Apple, Apple magic keyboard. keyboard. Yeah. Without the number keys. Okay. But, right. Um, Me too. I, I thought I would, um, you know, I was having like pains in my wrist. So right. I, I thought I would change my keyboard. I requested one that um, I saw on Amazon that seemed like it would be great. It is too loud. I don't like loud keyboards. <laughs> and I'm very self-conscious every time I'm writing code that everyone is listening <laughs> Um, but, um, it works, you know, it does, it does what it needs to do, but I'm thinking of definitely upgrading one and just, you know, having it in the office and, or keeping a better one here at home for when I work from home, which I do maybe at least like once a week. So I use a, uh, Apple magic trackpad and uh, keyboard, the new ones we, uh, we pair program. So we talk a lot, like we stop and we talk and, um, I'll code a little, my pair will code a little. So I'm not like just sitting there blazing, like typing all mm-hmm. that much to where, you know, an ergonomic keyboard would make sense. But I'm thinking about maybe getting one. Uh, my pair uses an ergo docs. I'll link to it. Um, and it's like one of those separate ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's no there's no letters on the keys. So like you have to just memorize it. Uh, um, yeah. It's pretty cool. Like these some of these programmers who like don't have to look down and like they use, they don't even use a mouse. Like when you get to like Vim or or, or, or Emacs or Space Max mm-hmm. level, like these text editors where you never have to use a mouse, it's pretty crazy. They just like never, their eyes never look down and their hands never leave the keyboard. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So anything else like, uh, what what's like something uh, special and unique that's on your desk? Like, do you have like a, I have a ping pong paddle on my desk. <laughs> I used to have like, a head scratcher. <laughs> Somebody was giving them out. He just, I don't know why, but one of my coworkers just had a bunch of them and he was just giving them out. And I had one of those just like hanging at the top of my monitor. 
Um, and it felt really great sometimes <laughs> just to That's awesome. play with it. Um, I don't have anything fun right now. I just keep a, I keep a water bottle. Try to stay hydrated. Good. Definitely. Um, Do you have a standing also, desk? No, we. I don't have one, but um, there are some available. You know, they're just they're just available for anybody who wants to use them at the office. Nice. Mm -hmm. um, and I just I keep I keep tea around. Good snacks. No coffee. No, I'm not a coffee person. <laughs> I never used to drink coffee. Now I do. I, I don't know. I think really? I might need to like give it up for a little while. <laughs> um, that's that's about it. Um, we do have we have snacks in the office. Oh, I love snacks. But I have to walk all the way down to the thirteenth floor, which is like four floors down. <laughs> like a savage. That's terrible. Yes, Bring them up to your floor. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Uh, we are at the end. I wish we could talk longer. I mean, ultimately we can, but, uh, you know, I like to try to keep them about to about an hour. So, um, you know, but I, man, there's so many things I want to ask you. Uh, but real quick, is there anything in particular that you want to learn, um, like coming up, like something new that you want to learn, whether it's if you have to learn it for work or if it's personal, something that you're looking forward to, um, iOS and Swift, um, specific. Um, or something that you learned or something that you learned recently. Okay. Um, so recently I like did a deep dive and watched this video slash read blog a blog post about um the different um oh my gosh, what do you call it? So the difference between like weak, strong Oh, okay. Weak, strong, unowned. Um, unowned oh yeah. my. Yeah. <laughs> there's I, there's there's an um yeah, there's an a good post on it. It's like the weak the strong and the unowned. It's by this uh, former Apple employee. He's now at Capital One. His name is Hector Matos. Right. Um, I thought it was super cra helpful. He's cracking dev, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I I feel like it really really broke things down well for me, um, and it helped me understand specifically why you would um, not want to have a strong reference in um, closure specifically. Right. Um, so that. That was super helpful to me, and I'm surprised no one ever explained it in, in such a way before that made it super clear. Um, and as far as other things I'm working on, um, I am actually, as I don't know if I mentioned this over the podcast yet, but I am working on releasing um, uh, one of the frameworks that I worked on. It's entirely in Swift. Um, oh, right. Yeah, you mentioned it, it briefly. It does, does some networking and some caching, and I'm, I'm actually really working on learning how, how to get that open source. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. So it's um, it's, so it's it's networking, caching. So I think like something like async display kit. I've never used it, but mm -hmm. um, like I think it's Facebook's um, thing. So basically, you had to build something at work, um, mm -hmm. and and you realized, wow, like this, I could open source this. People could use it. Um, like you know, it's yeah. generic enough. Right. That's it's really a good, cool. It's a good candidate for it because it's it's really flexible. And right now we're using it. I, I think we're using it in all our apps, that all the apps at BuzzFeed. So. And you built it. Um, along with my manager, but I I wrote the code. Yeah, we awesome. we sort of planned it out. Um, and then I, I um, did the framework and um, wrote some. I wrote all the tests. And since then, I think maybe a couple of other people had contributed, adding other features. But it would be great um, to get some feedback from. From other folks so i'm looking forward to getting it out there does buzzfeed have any open source projects already we do it's uh there's one out there called mattress which was i think it was 
open source last year. Um, and basically, I think it, it just handles um, it handles caching, I believe, like okay. um, offline caching. All right. Well, hopefully you'll be able to, you know, go through that kind of that same process. If there's already something open source, there must be some like process or you maybe can ask whoever like whoever already open sourced it, that yes. one, you know, and like go through that process. Hopefully that'll work out. Yeah, actually, it was uh, my my, uh, my manager who worked on it, so I'm I'm definitely able to talk to him. We still sit next to each other, so I'm able to ask him questions about it for sure. Awesome. Okay, so a couple things before we go. Um, what would you say to somebody out there um, who's thinking about coming to your meetup? Um, what uh, you know? Why should someone come to to your meetup? What can they expect? Um. I think it's a it, it's a really sort of safe place for people to come and, and, and discuss. Um, we, we don't necessarily cater to people who are starting out, but I think it's a great place for somebody who's starting out because um, there are people at all levels there who can, um, you know, give you some guidance as to the, the job hunting progress process or just provide support. And I think we're just a, a group of really... Um, like smart women who want to build things and, and um, it's it, it just, it's just awesome to have this network and I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm really um, happy with how it's been growing lately. So definitely come check us out. I think um, I actually hosted an event at Buzzfeed. This is more of a Buzzfeed event, not, not through my meetup, but I hosted it on Thursday and we had this like huge packed room of people and some of whom had told me, that they had never met another Latina engineer before. Wow. And it was it was really exciting to to know that I have that community that I could say, oh, you haven't met one? Come meet a, a ton of us. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so. That's um, awesome. Definitely, we're, we're, we are open to all women. Like I said, it's not just um, Latinas. So, um, yeah, check us out. <laughs> cool. Okay, and then one more, th- uh, well, two more things. Real quick, I just want to mention that a couple days ago, Paula uh, tweeted, uh, and I quote, looking for a new iOS Swift gig, question mark. Uh, DM me uh, your email address, and I'll forward you info about a company hiring at all levels. So very important, at all levels. Um, and Paula said that uh, that offer, uh, you know, sounds like it's still on the table. Yes. So um, I'll link to Paula uh, in the show notes if you are in New York or you're planning to move to New York, or you want to move to New York, uh, it sounds like Paola might be able to put you in touch with somebody who uh, has some opportunities available for iOS developers. And um, yeah, that'd be awesome. So thank you for doing that. And last, uh, actually, uh, second to last, where can people contact you online, if at all? Um, I'm I'm on Twitter constantly. (laughs) Um, my, um, My Twitter handle is Paola, not Paolo because I get called Paolo by accident a lot. <laughs> um, I, also, you can contact me through my website. It's just firstnamelastname.com, paolamata.com. Um, cool. I have a, a contact form there. Um, I'm, I think I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. And uh, what would you say is a good question for people to, to ask you? If, if someone was going to ask you an iOS or Swift-related question, like what would, what would be a good one to ask you? Wow. Um, like, what's uh, your sort of area that you that you like to, to talk about or have a lot of info on? It sounds like you've been working with caching a lot. I have been. I am actually, um, I'm, I have more experience with UI things, to be honest. Um, okay. If anyone's looking to, to um, anyone's having um, 
layout issues, auto layout. I'm kind of a wizard with it. Nice. All right. <laughs> cool. Okay. So, and I'll link to uh, to all that in the show notes. Last but not least, one piece of advice for people learning Swift. Go. Okay. Um, so, I would say this is something that I would uh, offer to anyone learning programming, uh, any programming in general. In general, um, it just don't be afraid to fail, essentially, and break things. You just can't be intimidated by it. Um, and learning Swift, I, I would say that the learning the fundamentals, so learning, I mean, going back to the basics is, is, a, is a good place to be. Um, and because, like, look at me, I'm, I've been a programmer for some time now, and I went back and looked at this, um, you know, learned about different types, and I got a ton out of it. Um, so subscribe to newsletters, uh, follow people that you admire who work at companies that you like on Twitter and see what they're sharing about. So um, there's there's a lot to learn, but I would say for sure focus, uh, make sure you're strong on the fundamentals. Awesome. Great advice. Definitely about the don't be afraid to fail. I like uh, at my meetups, I like showing people like what buttons you can press and like what things you can delete and what things you can change. Because when I first started out, you know, in Xcode, for instance, there's just so many buttons and things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, what can I touch and what should I not, you know, mess with? So I think that's great advice. All right. So, Paula, thank you so much for coming on the show today and thank sharing you. your story with us. You know, uh, coming from uh, Ecuador, moving uh, when you were four to New York and basically growing up in New York. And luckily, your mom told you to study computer science. So you did that in high school, but you kind of were rebelling when you went to college. So you did English instead and you because you wanted to be a writer, but you know, you ultimately didn't really like that, but you, you kind of got stuck like working as a admin tech slash like researcher updater kind of, but you were kind of, you did it for like a while and you weren't really that satisfied and you quit. You took like a leap of faith. You started writing, you know, on your blog and you were like, this is really fun. And then you met Ada and you know, you took a leap of faith and you quit and you joined that boot camp and you followed, uh, you followed your nose, as I like to say. You just kind of went for it yeah. and ultimately just trusted yourself, even though it might have been pretty scary. And, um, yeah, and you just went for it. And here you are now. Uh, sounds like to me living the dream in New York, like iOS developer doing what you love at BuzzFeed, which is like a really awesome company, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing that story with us. Good luck with your meetup. Thank you so thank much for you. doing that. It's really needed. I'm sure. And um, yeah, I look forward to speaking with you again. And that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Swift Coders podcast. Feel free to share the show with a friend, leave a review on iTunes, or recommend us on Overcast. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to say hi, contact me on Twitter. Until next time. Go swiftly, my friends.